peace, love, joy, and God's justice to you all. Thank you all for tuning in here in the month of February, but you know how we do it here. Black history is 24-7 permanently. And you're listening to Nia 2X Radio, the voice of the people, here again in the month of February. But we celebrate, appreciate, participate. We obligate ourselves at all times to keep it black and strong, to keep it real, and to bring to you because everything we do, we do it for you. And that's why we have invited, or should I say re-invited, our very special guest. She's a very special sister that has come to share vital information, important information, helpful information to make us even more aware. You know, too many people say, oh, I know about that. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. But certainly we want to make sure you know about it on a level that makes you move, that makes you get involved and showing that you really understand what it is all about. Now, our very special guest, is a former candidate for the mayor of Washington, D.C. That's important. That is important. She is also an advocate for so many issues, and this is what made her understand running for mayor she could handle and plans to handle. Now, that first run was not successful, but she's on her way again. As an activist also, she is found in the community with the voiceless, if you will, with those that just can't find their way or see their way towards solutions that they deserve. Remember, I said she was an activist. I'm talking about Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton. Peace, love, joy, and God's justice to you, sister. Thank you for coming again to our airways so that we can sit and listen. And when we listen, we learn. Peace and love, sister. Oh, thank you. Boy, I have to take you with me wherever I go. That's a heck of an introduction. Thank you so much, sister Nia. It's Near 2X, I want to say, and I thank you for, it's wonderful to be on your platform again, and I totally am so honored that you continue to uh, invite me. Obviously, we're sharing some good information, and I love the opportunity to sit and talk and bring this message and this word to your listenership. Thank you. You're quite welcome, and be sure, if I let it slip, that the listeners can also know where to hear you on your radio platform because uh, of the gifts that you've been bestowed from the Most High God. You are an effective leader. There's a lot of leaders out here, but you are extremely effective, dealing with solutions, very gifted indeed. So we heard about your latest endeavor that you've been working on, I believe, over a year now, bringing to the world's attention, and certainly in this area, and you're working with people around the country. So without further ado, please tell us of this very critical, important, upcoming event that affects all of us, but especially black people in the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, Dr. Rhonda Hamilton. Oh, Sister Nia, thank you so much. And absolutely, um, the understanding of kidney disease, chronic kidney disease, being one of the leading causes of death among Americans um, across the nation is probably not a reality for many of your listeners unless they have some familiar relationship, meaning family member or themselves or close friend or coworker who deals with the understanding of 
what many dialysis patients have to deal with at the point that their kidneys are failing. And as you would imagine, Sister Nia, and I must say, as you mentioned a year ago, I had the fortunate pleasure of meeting a young advocates such as myself. I say young because she's been at it 25 years, but young at heart in that she cared. She cared about us brown and black families and individuals that were finding ourselves in distress dealing with some of the atrocities that I know we'll cover over the next hour um, in dialysis treatments and centers across this nation. And when she was uh, humble enough to enlighten me of the exposure that the black community was receiving, you can imagine, Sister Nia, knowing my uh, plight for the underserved community and for matters of mental wellness, um, I, I, my mind just, it, it started clicking, and I couldn't imagine that this is something that had not already made my radar. But I look forward to helping you guys to understand why our coalition, Healthy DCME Leadership Coalition here in the nation's capital, uh, found it necessary that we incite a rally to the capital. We're here in the nation's capital, but many of us don't go out to visit the U.S. capital where the lawmakers are, and a lot of us take it for granted. There are many people across this nation, Sister Nia, who look to the nation's capital as a beacon. They assume that we're up losing sleep, freedom fighting daily and, 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 and down at the lawmakers and ex ex uh, exercising our constitutional rights. And that couldn't be further from the truth for many of us, and unfortunately, especially black voices, when so much is harming and affecting, uh, disproportionately affecting black communities and families. We are too quiet, and this dialysis we saw as mental health wellness outreach advocates, we saw it to be a napalm because mental health is such a stigma, and so we realize in our communities that unless there was a re-education, a re-emergence of understanding of what the importance and connection of knowing and being educated about mental wellness represents, then perhaps we could drop the walls and get over the stigma and start to really delve into the issues that are tearing our foundations apart, and many of us are probably one or two family members or community members removed from understanding what dialysis is. And, and the more that we peel back the layers, we are just astounded at what we found to be fraudulent practices from these corporations that are targeting, targeting our underserved communities. Um, there's so much that we're going to unpack in the next hour, but I'll rally to Congress okay. to save lives of dialysis. February the 29th at the nation's capital at 10 a.m., we want to put a thousand strong, motivated, intentional, unapologetic, and predominantly black faces and voices in the new United States capital to let them know we're just not willing to take it. We're just not willing to take it anymore. Let's rewind because the earful of vital information, when you got to the part of fraudulent practices are taking place with dialysis, this is where the interest really begins to take us to another level of understanding because unless people are inside of the system where most of us are not, then it doesn't cross our minds of this profound uh, insight that your organization and the lady you was telling us about who was pulling your coattail, I mean, the way you responded, you're out there in action. And that's what we need when you're calling on we the thousands because there are so many people that are on the dialysis machine, if you will. But to hear anything fraudulent being administered with dialysis, hey, that's like a stop, wait a minute, everybody, because if you don't fight back, if we don't get involved, then this fraudulent claim that can be supported. See, that 
is where Dr. Rhonda Hamilton comes in. You should listen to her radio podcast. Uh, She does a wealth of information here in D.C. down, I'm telling you. Make no mistake about it. So I want to get into a little more about the fraudulent uh, aspect of taking dialysis and because anything fraudulent in that realm certainly is illegal. And we are, as black people, we are faced with everything, whether it's the medical community, it's the judicial system, you name it. It's the police brutality. You know, you look at what's taking place this coming Friday in Greenbelt to stand with the former DA of Baltimore, Marilyn Mosby. Some say Mobley. I don't think it's an L in her name. But every time we look up, there is something going on. So if we're talking about fraudulent dialysis, there are people out there that know and feel, Dr. Hamilton, that they just can't do anything about it. They feel the giant is too large. They feel they know about the fraudulent, uh, you know, occurrences, but they they need to listen to you and get involved. Don't just listen, get involved. So we're going to come back in a few moments. We want to say thank you to a sponsor of this program and then allow Dr. Rhonda Hamilton to further her information. But brothers, sisters in particular, people of good will, she cannot continue to work by herself. Keep it right here on Nia 2X Radio, the voice of the people. I'm Sister Nia 2X. And we want to say thank you to a sponsor and then go back to our exciting, hardworking sister, Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton. Now, look, a beautiful smile is worth a million dollars. Healthy oral hygiene uh, and having a strong, I'm sorry, a beautiful smile is worth a million dollars. Healthy oral hygiene, and having a strong and, and clean gums, well, well, they're priceless. Going to a good dentist regularly can assist you and your family, not only with a beautiful smile, but it can greatly aid in the protection from tooth decay, sour breath, and other serious life-threatening diseases. That's right, life-threatening diseases. Now, Dr. Laura Muhammad is a general family dentist with over 35 years in the business. Her atmosphere is relaxing, and it's called Omninar Dental Spa. They're located 4524 C Street, Southeast D.C., Call to schedule your appointment with Omnimar Dental Spa. Call them immediately, 202-905-4430. That's Omnimar Dental Spa, 202-905-4430. So we're going back to get more information, to arm ourselves with this information so that we can do something in the pushback uh, when it comes to dialysis. Without further ado, our very special guest, Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton, please address uh, more about what is going to take place later on this month. Yes, Sister Nia. On Thursday, the last day of Black History Month, February the 29th, at 10 a.m., our coalition intends to rally amongst a 1,000 motivated supporters of dialysis reform 
Uh, there are many professionals that have understood for many years that these practices have been going on. So I want to be clear with your listeners that this is not a new discovery, although it may be new to members of our community and our leadership understandings. However, in 1986, many advocates, such as the one I mentioned, Ms. Uh, Arlene Mullen of Dialysis Advocates, LLC, 25 years, she started as a technician. She started to observe practices such as involuntary uh, discharges from centers, from patients who would speak up or question about processes that were causing them to have too much fluid drained off, processes that weren't transparent. And let's be clear, let's back up, Sister Nia, if you'll allow me. Dialysis is not something that everybody understands. And so I don't want to assume that many folks know or understand that folks that are dealing with dialysis are dealing with their mortality daily. And what that means is that they're stifling their blood in and out of their body because their kidneys have failed and they're not able to process the toxins out of their body without the assistance of these dialysis machine processes. And the reality of this process for many is grueling. And what that means is that there are long needles and catheters that are placed inside of their bodies as lifelines to cycle the blood in and out. Oftentimes, there have been complaints of the workers of dialysis, the technicians of dialysis not being properly trained or qualified to insert these long needles and tubings into their bodies. And so what happens is disfigurement. The reality of being poked in the wrong place by someone who's not qualified maybe to even work a fast food drive-through is administering your life-saving care? And should you question the process, you may land yourself on a blackball list. Now, see, that's a death sentence for families and individuals of dialysis who generally have to have these processes happen at least three times a week to ensure their viability and their continued livabilities. And so the reality is that uh, in these centers, and now let's talk about these centers, in 1986 and then again in 2000, advocates such as myself and you rallied to go down to Congress to have lawmakers understand the need for reform. Many of them sat on the congressional floor in front of our lawmakers and dialysized so that they could see what this process entailed. Now, understand that dialysis on the surface is something that impacts many across this nation, but the fraudulent understandings happen when we have nephrologists, which are the professional doctors that administer these processes or oversee these dialysis processes, kidney failure understandings, and what should be educational processes. When you have nephrologists that would anonymously communicate that they're targeting black communities, not just black communities, but underserved black communities, they're targeting the strip malls that are next to the check, check cashing place, next to the carryout or the liquor store. And the two largest corporations of dialysis would be Francinius and DeVita. Now, many, whether regardless of what city you're living in, if you're in the urban part of the city, you're going to recognize DeVita and you're going to recognize Francinius. They're what's called the duopoly of dialysis. And so what has happened to really understand this fraud um, beyond hiring workers that are not qualified? Because, again, profit has become more important than the person's well-being and health outcome. And so when you as an advocate receive language that communicates that they're targeting young African-American males, there's something called creatinine or creatinine. 
And it basically is the chemical buildup in your body that is usually able to be exited as waste. But if your kidneys are failing, then this chemical buildup is not able to, and that becomes the importance of being dialysized so that you don't have this buildup that causes stress on your heart and other areas of your body and organs. And so what we understand is that this creatinine is used as a uh, screening method to determine which families or individuals are needed to take dialysis. And what we're finding out is that because African-American, young African-American males typically have high blood pressure rates or other understandings just because of our diets and our eating habits, that it's for years been understood that creatinine is not a proper measuring tool and that what you could find yourself doing as a doctor, a nephrologist, is placing a young life on dialysis sooner than they need to be or if, in fact, they needed to be on it at all. And the reality is that once on dialysis, if, you, if your, your body dries up and what happens is you now have to be on it because your fluids are drying up, the ability to urine becomes a problem and not possible unless you are participating in some aspect of dialysis. And so as you continue to read this language and understand that in 1972, Congress decided that there would be a Medicare that would be able to fund, or I should say a Medicare vehicle that would be able to fund all families, individuals that are dealing with failed kidney or chronic kidney disease and dialysis processes. So what you have is the ability of these profit-making corporations who recognize that, once again, the black community um, are going to be profitable for them. And so they set up shop. And what's dangerous about having a duopoly that's setting up shop targeting our young men is that if, in fact, you decide that you want to speak out or challenge the status quo, you find yourself blackballed because if they own most of the clinics and you're blackballed from one, then nine times out of ten you're going to be blackballed by all, which is, has been the case. And as you mentioned, many times our fear keeps us from speaking out. So the body disfigurement, the in, uninvol, involuntary, I should say, discharges from centers because you're questioning why would you pull so much fluid off? Because understand, pulling too much fluid off changes the well-being and disposition of that individual who has to function daily, and many of them have to go to work. And they have to go well, through these procedures three times a week. And I'm sorry, I'll stop there for a minute. No, I mean, uh, I, no, we're, we're listening. When, when I have a question, when you say they are blackballed, are you talking about the patient or are you talking yes. about, the? okay, so the patient becomes blackballed in your research uh, pertaining to, like the patient may be asking questions, wait a minute, or finding out information and then whistleblowing, if you will, and then they say, I want out of this hospital or, or I want out of this facility, and, they, and you're telling us that they decide to go to another facility only to be rejected? Absolutely, that's what I'm telling you. And I'm telling you that uh, there's recently been a book written. I want to uh, plug this so that folks have a, a point of reference because if you're like me, you need to see it in black and white because you just can't imagine. And I'll tell you, I haven't even touched the surface yet. But there's a gentleman, investigative uh, journalist by the name of Mr. Tom Mueller. And for the better part of seven years, six to seven years, he spent talking to these individuals that would speak anonymously about much of what I've just shared with you. In addition to that, he had healthcare workers that were coming forward and speaking with him to include uh, nephrologists who had firsthand understandings of why this might be something that the black community needed to pay closer attention to. They were making billions of dollars in our communities. And when 
the black ball language finds them, the reality is that there is a threat to the profit that they're making, and so there's a process that happens. So I'll give you an example really quickly, if you'll allow me to. Mr. Kevin Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I want to make sure for those that are just tuning in, we're listening to our dear sister. She's a former mayor, a mayoral candidate here in Washington, D.C., Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton, talking to us uh, about the dialysis community and uh, fraudulent means. She's educating us. Pay close attention because there is a rally to push back on what they are researching and what they have found out. Thank you, Sister Rhonda. Thank you, Sister Nia. Uh, investigative journalist Mr. Tom Mueller wrote a book recently in the last three months it was released. The title of the book is How to Make a Killing, Blood, Death, and Dollars in American Medicine. Mr. Mueller in this book details from past to present to help folks understand right where they are, how we've gotten here, and what's been done prior to this, and what folks that are going through this are seeking to have happen. And so as you heard me mention, the understanding of an example of a story, our website for anyone that's listening that needs to read ahead and maybe I speak too slow is www.mitv.fyi. That is our PSA website on the dialysis. So you can get all of the wonderful information that I'm speaking on um, and also access to Mr. Mueller's book, a link for it. Uh, Mr. Mueller introduced me to several individuals in this process of his six to seven years of investigative work. One such individual is a gentleman, Mr. Justin Charles Evans, and I know he doesn't have a problem with me saying his name. He's very much in the forward or forefront of our movement. Mr. Evans is actually a patient of dialysis in, in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, Georgia. He and approximately 10 other patients in a center came together because they were just disappointed with some of what they were seeing and dealing with. Mr. Evans himself, who would question uh, why it is that his process or his treatment time was uh, sped up or why too much liquid or uh, why is it that the conditions of the center itself are what they are or why they were being treated that way. And when I mean treated that way, keep in mind that these technicians, many of them who are not qualified, are obviously obviously in many cases not qualified as well in the customer service, Never, not, uh, not to mention the technician part of the job. So there was constantly an air of tension going in to get your treatment. Any given day, you could look over to your left or right and someone didn't make it through their treatment and a sheet was put over the individual. And whether or not that was the person was left there to remind folks of what their realities are or whether or not it's just the inability of them to have more of an ethical and, and uh, uh, compassionate process surrounding how they deal with folks who met with their mortality uh, unsuccessfully going through a treatment. But any given day, they were walking into these types of conditions. And so 11 of them got together and decided they were going to write their local congressional member there in uh, the Georgia area. And they begged in the letter. After they told detail by detail what their fears were and what they had been enduring, they begged the congressional member not to disclose the fact that they were the ones who sent the letter because they were afraid of retaliation. It was well known that you did not speak out. You show up, you sit in that chair, and you let the machine go for as long as it's going to go, and then you get up, you don't ask questions, you leave. Many of them detail not being able to have access to their health files. Uh, Mr. Evans found out that his Social Security benefits were in jeopardy because what was put in his file, because he was a ringleader, mind you, that he was a drug abuser and a alcohol abuser, and he does not do either substance and had no understanding until Social Security made him aware that this was some of the language submitted in his file and had impacted his ability to financially uh, uh, maintain his livelihood. And so Mr. Evans, in writing this letter with the other members, 
ask the congressional member not to disclose that they have wrote, written it. And wouldn't you know it, they showed back up to the center, and this letter found its way back to the center where they were treated at, and they were retaliated against. As a matter of fact, Mr. Charles, uh, Justin Charles Evans was found to have to go to the hospital to dialysis, which many of them do not wish to do because the process is very unbearing. Let's be clear, dialysis works best, which is what statistic and the research has shown and what the understanding of how it's supposed to work is that it's a slow process. Keep in mind that you're cycling out the blood in your body and cycling it back in. And so what they found is that these processes were being sped up treating it as though there's an assembly line process because the reality is that the profit margin was increased when you had more bodies in the chair. Uh, we've had nephrologists in liken it to an airline seat to help our general public understand what they're saying. So fast dialysis and processes that proved to drain off more liquid than necessary, that left mm -hmm. patients, many of them feeling sickly, is what they've termed in the West, in California, as big dialysis. Big dialysis yeah. means big business, big money. Yeah, because, you know, you mentioned not a $1,000 industry, a million-dollar industry. A billion. A billion-dollar billion industry. And I want the public to know all content heard on the A2X radio, the voice of the people, is not necessarily uh, endorsing any guest that comes on with their information. And we're certainly not putting down the uh, entire system. But what is happening is the unveiling of those that are uh, alleged to be making the billions and not only is, or rather, not only are we dealing with allegations, Sister Rhonda Hamilton and many others are going to Congress. They're going again to make these issues known, to make their claims heard, to get individuals that write laws to investigate, to stay on top of it, and to improve a system that we're hearing truly needs improvement. I'm sure there's corruption in everything if, if we look around. But pick one and do something about it like Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton and many others from around the country because they are uh, two of the centers, if you will. I looked up one day and I saw one of the centers in my community. I didn't know what it was, and we're not putting the whole center down, but, hey, we got to investigate. We have to look at this. We have to measure. We have to read, as she said, the book, because people have their lives on the line. Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton is not on dialysis. She's doing what she's doing and, and others with her because it's the right thing to do. So please, to the listening audience, please don't just hear the interview and then, you know, feel good that you heard it and now you know. No, reach out. Either read the book, either call Dr. Rhonda Hamilton, and if you are getting the interview before the 29th of this month, February 2024, be there in Washington, D.C., so that you can witness, you can hear, you can learn more, and perhaps save yourself, someone you love, someone you know, this is how we fight back by getting involved. Is uh, getting involved, is that right, uh, Sister Rhonda? That is perfectly right, and thank you so much, Sister Nia. And you're absolutely right. We've got to read. We can't just take someone else's word, although I would dare to sit before you without receipts and without being the ethical professional that I continue to be and will be, our concerns were the fact that we were not able to have the conversation congressionally on the level of a mental health imposition, trauma, understanding uh, nature, because we're still trying to help 
our people, bring our voices to the table. Let's be clear, dialysis is affecting all across the nation, but it's disproportionately affecting black and brown members in the community. And because they're targeting these underserved communities to set up shop, we have to, we must hold our congressional leaders accountable. Medicare is a federally run organization, and we want oversight. And we don't want oversight from third parties. We want oversight from our own leaders, our own professionals here in the nation's capital. We have already been fighting for that. Many of the African-American professional doctors of a private nature have not been able to maintain their practices in one section of the city, which most know uh, represents the east side or uh, uh, east of the Anacostia here in the nation's capital. We have a desert when it comes to black professional doctors, and the biggest challenge we understand it to be has to be in relation to the reimbursement rates for Medicare from treating our members in the community. And so a lot of times what we have are uh, unequitable health care outcomes because we're not getting proper access to quality care. So to already understand that as mental health advocates at the table, to already be advocating for balanced governing and oversight, we now understand that this dialysis, and I want to be clear, please do the uh, research. When you look at the nation's capital, we have eight wards, Sister Nia. When this information came our way, we wanted to be responsible. And so we started to do the research and do the reading and understanding that in eight wards of the city, one particular ward, and that's Ward 7, which happens to be the ward that has a desert for grocery stores and proper health care understandings. Ward 7 has 44% beyond the national average of its families affected by chronic kidney disease. I'm going to let that soak in for a minute. There's a projected national average, and in one ward of the nation's capital, we have 44% beyond that average of families that are dealing with chronic kidney disease. And Ward 7 happens to be in the east side of the city, which would be right for where they target to build their centers. And the reality Mm. that we've been dealing with this as a nation and as a city and under the radar of many of our community leaders and activists who typically, such as our organization, come to the forefront and rise to the occasion when we see this. Now let's talk about why this would be the case or could be the case. Sure. We talk about DeVita and Francinius being billion-dollar companies. Well, the reality is that billion-dollar companies can afford to pay lobbyists to be able to lobby and make sure that the media and the language that we're seeing reads differently. Oh, they're blowing it out of proportion. It's not that bad. Well, here's the thing. In California, who's been leading the charge with this, and that's why that www.mitv.fyi website is so important. We've been following it. We've been following their fight. The SEIU union of United Healthcare Workers came forward. They had so many complaints from workers who felt overworked, underpaid. They did not like being threatened with not being able, those that were certified, to recertify. Because when we talk about blackballing patients, billion-dollar corporations also have the ability to threaten and blackball workers. And so, mm. so many workers came forward that the SEIU, United Healthcare Workers Union, came forward. And on our website, what you'll see is the various press releases of the various legal processes of them coming forward and speaking out on behalf of the workers. Well, what they found is that every time they rose up and many of these allegations from bribery to uh, kickbacks to, uh, you know, running centers that were violating health care standards, they'd had documented understandings of uh, health departments showing up and finding dried blood on the machine, um, finding that some machines weren't working properly. They just had so much 
that was documented. And again, this is not new information. It's new for us because we're always the last ones to the table, Sister Nia. We're already mm-hmm. fighting a myriad of health care, economic and educational and other social uh, determinant understanding. This but to true. understand that this was a focused, intentional practice yielding billions. So mm. in California, the union came forward. And when you look at the understanding that the NAACP in California could have been on that pay list from lobbyists, mm. it makes you look deeper because I wanted to understand it deeper. On January the 30th, 2024, the SEIU United Healthcare Workers came to the United States Capitol here in the nation's capital. They brought their argument and concerns to Congress. They're asking for congressional leaders and for Mr. President Joe Biden to investigate these very fraudulent practices that they're prepared to stand on and that they've been speaking on for quite some time. For quite some time. Well, Rhonda, uh, tell me, when the lady from California, California, Ms. Mullen, when she first really, uh, you know, got your attention uh, with this information, what was your immediate reaction? And I ask because there are people listening, and they may have a similar reaction, but because you took it a step further, as you do, you researched, you, you wanted to prove what these unbelievable allegations are, and then once you were convinced, from your own research, the way you did it, now you're in, you know, frontline soldier, getting ready to go back to Congress, you know, to change laws. This is about changing law. That's why voting is so important. And speaking of voting, Rhonda, hold your, your answer because it is critically important. We need everyone to be involved. Because if there is a fear factor, well, the Most High God said to fear him. That, that, that's what we do with the fear. All the rest of it, it's irrelevant. The Most High God said to fear him. He said many things about fear. He said that fearing him is the pathway to wisdom. So we have our commandments about fear. You, you can't fear the system of racism, white supremacy. No, you have to fight it, not fear it. Stand by. We'll be right back to hear our guest, Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton, and her immediate reaction when she was first introduced to the information she is now sharing with us that she has been at the forefront fighting on behalf of families, especially black families, who are detrimentally, as she is telling us, uh, on the on, on the slaughter, if you will. So, stand by. Listen for the love of our ancestors, my brothers and sisters. Vote. Too many of our ancestors suffered, sacrificed, fought hard. They were hung, castrated, burned alive, maimed, murdered, tortured, horrified, terrorized, so that we brothers and sisters, could have the right to vote. For the love of our ancestors, vote. Even if you're upset about the choices, for the love, gratitude, understanding, and responsibility, vote. This message is brought to you by Sunshine Tours and Travel, who specialize in black history tours in the country and abroad. See them online at www.blackonblackunity.com. So we'll go back to find out if Dr. Rhonda Hamilton's reaction is maybe similar to yours right now. Are you nonchalant 
Do you think you can't fit in and do anything to help the pushback? You can do a lot. Make no mistake about it. Also, Sister Dr. Rhonda, we also, uh, what's that I wanted to ask? I have to think about it in a moment. Let's get that initial reaction. When you first heard this information that compelled you to go, you know, study more about it, and now you know what you're talking about. I thank you for that question because it's so important. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, where would others be and what do they do upon hearing it? I tell you, Sister Nia, I am likened hearing that information to what it must have been like for many of us who are very much pro-black to have to understand and acknowledge and be humble to recognize that many, many years ago that there was someone of Caucasian and other ethnic understandings that possibly helped us to learn to read when we weren't supposed to be able to. And and, and the reality of supporting and, and being proud to be black, I also am humbled to recognize that there are so many beautiful souls and hearts out there that are not necessarily black but do care on other levels because we all serve higher beings. And, and most of us, I should say, and the reality of meeting Ms. Arlene Mullen, understanding that she's a Caucasian woman who was a technician who happened to be certified in a clinic where these types of practices were occurring, and her heart wouldn't allow her to just put something in somebody's record to keep her job. Her heart wouldn't allow her to start to conjure up these fraudulent tales that these people were violent and shouldn't be at the center anymore or whatever it took to get the loud people out. She started taking notes and helping patients where she could anonymously before all of this landed her on the Department of Justice doorstep. And when they asked her to go back and look at her cases and understand the makeup of the complaints versus the folks that were making them, she found that roughly approximately out of 100 cases that she had been amassing through the years, at least 91 of them were black. And that, for me, said something totally different. And and as I began to listen to the testimonies, as she allowed me to participate in phone calls, of some of her existing and current and still patients. And as I heard for myself the responses and testimonies and realized that she's one Caucasian woman, 25 <laughs> years, and this is disproportionately killing black people? Well, I felt a grave sense of ethical responsibility. And I was introduced to Mr or I should say Reverend Ronald Wright of Justice Seekers, Texas. And I would imagine that Mr. Wright is our version of our NAND version uh, or in the shadows of uh, Reverend Al Shopton and the work that you all do so bravely and so courageously every day. And Mr. Uh, or I should say Reverend Ronald Wright down in Texas uh, is a civil rights activist, and he and Miss Mullen together were introduced to me uh, by a colleague. And as they talked and as they shared the understanding of the reality of what they intended to do to try to bring more of our people to the table, Reverend Wright talked to me about the ability of us being in the nation's capital and being able to carry this leg of it. And I felt a grave sense of responsibility because if you remember at the beginning of the hour, I mentioned we live in the nation's capital, and there are so many across this nation that believe that we would be already at the table, already at the capital, already fighting these types of issues. And the truth of the matter is, Sister Nia, last check, we are, what, roughly 50 representations in Congress mm -hmm. and all this time, 50? How do we expect laws to
to change that are impacting our outcome. When we only have 50 down there to represent to do so, and we have the audacity not to show up on the outside rattling the windows and the doors, living the way we mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And that's a metaphor for where I was in my mind because I had already arrived there with this mental health and this trauma and lack of education and exposure that tears through our communities and would allow us to adapt and settle with the fear that we live with to keep us from speaking out. I'm an advocate of mental health because my mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia with visible voices and hallucinations daily. My father was a man of the military, a soldier who came home with heroin addiction realities and not the understanding of a PTSD diagnosed understanding. See, my mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia years before we understood fancy words of schizophrenia to community understanding she was just a crazy lady because we didn't understand, or we use words like retarded. We don't understand, and that which we don't understand, we want to separate from, and we want to be able to point the finger at them as opposed to using it as an ability to look deeper within ourselves. And so we place them in boxes or limitations, or we just don't bother with them because it's over our head. And so we have folks showing up to our congressional leaders, lobbyists who are spending money, billion-dollar companies are going to spend money to protect their bottom line. And as you heard me mention, in 1972, Congress enacted Medicare for All as it relates to dialysis and chronic kidney disease understanding. In 1986, a group of advocates, including Ms. Mullen, showed up on their doorstep to say, hey, file, something's amuck here. Take a look at this. In 2000, they showed back up. And by 2000, we had professionals in the renal industry and dialysis understandings that started to rumble and say, wait a minute, we can do this differently. There are medications, there are treatments, there are processes, there's research that's supporting that perhaps dialysis shouldn't even exist. But here comes that billion-dollar vehicle protecting their profits and bottom line because they've got a good thing going. They're billing Medicare and getting paid. And then there's something, Sister Nia, in the research. There's something called the Stark Law. Stark Law allows nephrologists to have part ownership in these very centers and treatments that they're administering. You think it's a conflict of interest that the very doctor that says you need to go on dialysis also has a part of financial interest in the center? (laughs) And so when you begin to look at these letters and you understand that there is a more than a double bill, because keep in mind, not only are the two income streams in place where you have part ownership in the treatment center of it, and then you also are billing Medicare as the doctor yourself, Well, remember those strip malls that you're acquiring and you're building these centers in? This is real estate. So now you're a landlord and you're able to be paid rent. And so now you're setting up shop. On top of that, the Department of VA, where our veterans depend on for dialysis, they outsource to these very duopolies, Francinius and DeVita, since 2014, on average, billion-dollar contracts to treat our veterans. So this thing is deep. It is very very deep. deep. Now, have you, have um, those two companies in particular, have have you reached out to them and what are they uh, saying in response to what's being told? Absolutely. Uh, There's a video on our website. I love that question, Sister Nia. You're always going to get to the power, and our people are going to wake up. Um, On our website, www.mitv.fyi, 
there is a video that I posted uh, of the congressional visit from the union members. Um, there were several testimonies in that, but the one that I thought was very important to post was Mr. Tom Mueller himself speaking uh, alongside the congressional members that had endorsed the visit and the union's request for the investigation. Mr. Mueller mentioned... Now, 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 before you go, before you go, now, Tom Mueller is the author. Yes, the investigative oh, journalist please. and author of How to Make a Killing, and the book oh, link yeah. is on our website. He spoke to Congress uh, to the uh, at the press conference on the congressional level, and he shared that Francinius and DeVita had issued their typical, you know, rebuttals and, you know, didn't want to acknowledge, but Mr. Mueller doubled down in front of the press at Congress and said, I stand behind the sixth and a half, I believe it is, years of work and testimonies that we took personally. In addition to that, I've added a 60-page reference understanding in the back of the book so that you would have the ability to see and contact these various understandings so you could become clear that this is not something fictitiously made up. And I'll be very honest with you, Sister Nia, as this continues, you know, to enlighten me and as I look at, for example, here in the nation's capital, we've got a very heavily decorated nephrologist in the Ward 8 area. I think something like in the last six years, you know, he's been heavily decorated. And all I could think in my mind, because I have this anonymous letter, these are testimonies that come through that are telling us that these nephrologists, that are operating in these practices, because not all are, but those that are operating in these profit over patient outcome practices that come to board meetings or annual meetings or quarterly meetings, they get berated for not meeting their quota for the amount of citizens that are being referred into dialysis. Because let's be clear, underserved Citizens represent a 15-year on, 15 on average income pool if they can keep them in the chair long enough. The reality of many of these underserved community members not being educated about transplant understanding. The reality of there being language amongst these practicing nephrologists in these settings that want to understand from their Oh, doctors, why would you waste the time to educate these citizens about transplants and other understandings when they're not intelligent enough to navigate that? Why would you affect your annual bonus or monthly understanding trying to educate a population that doesn't know any better? and that represents such such a profitable outcome for us all. All right. Listen, we'll be, we've been listening to Sister Dr. Rhonda Malone. The time has come to the end. Now, listen, the dialysis rally to Congress, 1,000 motivated and committed supporters to convene on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., to request an immediate reform of the dialysis industry harmful practices. As she states on her literature, the time has come for big analysis to be undone. This all takes place. It's upcoming. Be a part of it. Thursday. February 29th, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Contact number, wherever you are in the United States, uh, that number is 240-274-9436. This affects all of us. And guess what? Guess what? We can win. 
It, 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 we can win. We're not winning because we haven't received the information. So you're receiving the information, you're processing the information, but when you didn't have the information or I didn't have the information, there was nothing to receive or process. So we just went happy-go-lucky and walking down the street and going on about our, going on about our business, but what was taking place, we've just heard it. Now, we need to be involved because we're winners, and they're losers that are opposed to those that are opposed to doing things legally, doing things morally, doing things not for uh, economic profit, but for the benefit of health care, regardless and to all. No, this is the shakeup. Be a part of the shakeup so we can find out, learn, and be a part of reestablishing uh, a practice of dialysis. We're certainly not knocking the practice, but what we're listening to, yes, it needs to be investigated. Yes, it needs to be challenged. Yes, it needs to be changed. Make no mistake about it. Now, again, of course, we're going to give Dr. Rhonda Hamilton uh, the last word. And we have to say that BLB production, <laughs> that Neo2x Radio, the voice of the people, is not necessarily the views or opinions of what we've been hearing today, or our advertisers, partners, affiliates, employees of our podcast radio station. We have to say that. But the allegations are certainly backed up and supported. They're backed up and supported. And so it's not a question of is it true. That, that, that's, that's, go past that. Go to this rally. Be part of. Go to Dr. Rhonda Hamilton's website. I did want to ask before we leave, we are in overtime, Dr. Rhonda, you're not a medical doctor just to establish for the listening audience. Is that true, ma'am? That is absolutely true. I'm a doctor of humane letters, which means that I am a subject matter expert on all things community and humanity. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Please give us your uh, end of the interview statement, anything you want us to know. And prior to that, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming today and sharing your work and where your heart, your mind, your spirit, your soul, and your fight is on behalf of the almighty God himself, Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton. Thank you. Thank you again, Sister, and absolutely, my heart is with the people where it always will be, which is why it led me to the political race here in the nation's capital in 2022 to run for the highest seat, the mayor, because I believe that there's a lot that we can do differently to help to affect positive outcomes for our citizens. And so on the ground, in the houses, and the understandings daily that their foundations are shook, that their fear is present, and that we must do more to make certain that these health care educational and economic outcomes are balanced. Here in the nation's capital, the Caucasian family has an 81 times wealth gap versus the black family. And so the time is now. The time is absolutely now. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, this dialysis understanding should serve as a napalm, as a bomb coming through our communities across this nation that we would stand up for families that are no longer able to save their loved ones, but stand up in support of helping the continuing as we have with the outcomes that we're receiving when our children are going to come down the lane. If there are billions of dollars to be made in our communities, then we need to be at the table understanding why do the communities still look the way that they do if this is positive understanding. And so the reality of us being in the gap, being woke, and understanding the need to show up and help our legislators to understand that we're not willing to keep living backwards and watch our people keep dying while people keep padding their pockets. See, technology, pharmaceutical companies, they change. Our rally is February the 29th. Please join the fight. It's at the United States Capitol, www.mitv.f.
FYI. Join the fight. Thank you. And you do have a, a podcast television station. Is that correct? Absolutely. We do our Palms Up show, thank you, Sister Nia, on uh, Facebook. We do it every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. live. Uh, please go to Rhonda Hamilton on Facebook, Healthy DC, and me on Facebook, Rhonda Hamilton for DC on Facebook, or MI Mother's Keeper on Facebook. All of those will bring you to us. 7 p.m. What time again? 7 p.m. on Tuesday. That's Eastern Standard Time, everyone. Uh, yes. Thank you, Sister Dr. Rhonda Hamilton. Admire you. And uh, we will continue to follow this as we have with you uh, for over a year. And I can see you have even brought tonight more uh, pertinent information from your diligent focus on what is happening in the arena of the medical field pertaining to dialysis. Thank you to our advertisers, to our listeners, to our esteemed guests, of course, and thank you, Queen. She's holding it down on the engineering here on NEA2X Radio, the voice of the people. We're found 24-7 profanity-free at www.blackonblackunity.com. Dot com. Keep it strong, stay involved, fighting the good fight because it pays off. Peace, love, God's justice to you all.